0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boy, were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a cat over here. There's a cat
1: over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat, Die, the podcast breakdown of the Catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She's played a lot of cats, but most notably was Bombay of the Arena in multiple productions of cats, including the second and third U.S. tours, as long as playing it in Germany. So welcome, Adria Gibbs, and thank you for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm uh, I'm flattered to be here.
1: I'm excited. I actually want to start because I believe if I if my research is correct, your first production of cats was the German production.
0: No, actually, my first no. no, my first production was the Los Angeles Company.
1: Los um, Angeles Company. Okay. Yeah. So walk me through your cat's history. Let's maybe start there because I think everything is <laughs> out of order. Because I was going to be fascinated if you learned it in German first.
0: No, actually I did it in German last. So we'll, German, we'll, okay. we'll work we'll work our way okay. to that. But um no, I actually was uh, one of a gazillion people that went to the cattle call for the Los Angeles Company of Cats. And I managed to make it all the way through. In fact, uh, it's how I earned my equity card. So that was uh, wow. pretty exciting. Yeah, it was pretty and exciting. And this
1: was 1980 what?
0: Uh, you know, I Five, barely remember six? what year. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Does it feel right? Because <laughs> yeah, the U.S. tour was 87, a yeah. seven. Yeah, so it must have been It must have been 85. I, uh, okay. The only thing I really remember is when I graduated from high school because they kind of drill <laughs> that into you. And I actually have to look at my resume to figure out where I was and when I did what. I uh, – yeah, cro- uh, chronolo- cro- chronological dates are okay. completely lost on me.
1: <laughs> Sometime in the 80s. We'll just stick with that. Yeah. So you're in L.A. You get you get through. Who did you get cast as?
0: Uh, I was cast as Tantamile, and Tantamile mm-hmm. was uh, – Part of the original production in both London and New York, it was actually a role that was edited out of the Bus and Truck um, and the and some of the subsequent um, touring companies. But I played an identical twin, um, supposedly. Uh, my <laughs> twin was a male. Um, my first twin was a, a fantastic dancer um, by the name of Serge Rodnansky, who was from formerly with the American Ballet Theatre. And he was just t- tremendous to work with. In fact, we um, we got to do a really nice little bit of a duet when we appeared on Fame, uh, which our L.A. company did with um, on the television show. And we got to do a real nice little pas de deux, very small wow. thing. And, uh, and that was great. And then my second twin was an amazing actor by the name of Mark Oka. And and so we I went through two twins. Through the course so, of my history
1: and tantamount so tantamount like you said has been edited out it's not in every production correct but it's mostly a dance number right that's the the kind of core thing um for tantamount because I, I because it's been edited out i actually know so little about tantamount and that's why when i saw you were there i was like well i know a lot about bomb so i know i have more questions there but tell <laughs> me like what we haven't covered Tantamile like at all in this podcast. So what do I need to know about this cat?
0: Well, the the story behind Tantomile, she's actually one of the names that TS Eliot had created. And she uh, is a witch's cat. So Tantomile and her twin brother, Korokapat um, seemingly have some kind of telepathy. They have a the sixth sense, what actually puts them ahead of all the other cats in terms of when, for example, is approaching okay yeah so it's pretty it was pretty fun
1: these are the types of things i wish that the crowd knew going in because like how like i'm sure there's such deliberate motion and dance in every scene that you're ahead that as the two times i saw it and seeing in the movie i never picked up on just never i mean just never knew it was a thing
0: one of my one of my favorite things about playing Tanto was that she was not part of the Cockroach Brigade with Jenny and E-Dots. Um dots no, I love tap dancing, so it wasn't that. Um, Tanto actually didn't do the tap dance for reasons that had to do with the Broadway production. So because they were replicating that particular show, then my character didn't do the tap dance, but they wanted me to see on set. So what was really interesting was I climbed up to a platform on the second level. This is a Los Angeles show. And I just sat and would stare at some poor, unsuspecting person in the audience, the <laughs> entire number. And. It, it was hilarious because you would notice people would, would realize they were getting looked at and then they would look up and they would see me staring and then you'd see them nudge somebody else and they kind of look up and then they'd go back to watching the number they'd look up again and see that I was still staring at them. And it was, it was quite fun. So that, that uh, is it amazing. gave me a great moment. It gave me a great moment. I got really, really good at staring down
1: people. Did anybody come up to you after saying, what was that all about?
0: Uh, yeah, I actually, I, 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 this is really weird. So as one might imagine, you kind of can gather sort of fan bases, like people that start to kind of follow your, your cat. I I felt this was a lot more common in Starlet Express in Germany. There was a huge fan thing there, but, um, and, and to some degree at at cats in Hamburg as well. But, there were people that came back and saw the show quite a few times with the Los Angeles company. And there were people that would send me notes um, backstage and just tell me how much they enjoyed the performance, which I thought was really interesting because Tana Mile doesn't have a lot. She doesn't really have a lot of standout moments, you know, compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the other cats in the company, but um I found out later, too, that a lot of the ushers used to like to watch me perform because they they appreciated the fact that I was giving 110% regardless of where I was on the stage. That it was, for me, it was always about delivering the very best show I could to whomever was in the back row, in the back corner of the theater, who may be having their first theatrical experience Um maybe saved all their money to come see this show maybe this is the (laughs) only live theater they were ever going to get to see and so for me performing for that person in the back row was the most important thing to me regardless of how i felt the kind of day i had what have you so i always felt that that was a piece of what my job was
1: that's i mean and it's refreshing to hear because i um huge sports fan watch a lot of sports and i don't think that that's always the case in a lot of these games that you watch at the professional level where they do kind of mail in some games and so hearing that's like every day eight shows a week that you're always going to do it because that might be the one time that that one person is going to see you is 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 really um cool to hear i'm curious to hear a little bit about the the fan base is so like to your point. There's I've I've interviewed some people who've seen the show many times and watched to watch one number versus me who only saw it a couple times, kind of watched the whole thing just <laughs> mesmerized. Um did you once you knew somebody was there, like it was a super fan that you that wrote to you, I guess this is probably a little bit harder pre-social media days, but now you kind of get the interaction. Would you have tried to stare down that person? Did you if like I- seek people out?
0: If I knew they were there, I would like if I knew who they were and I knew where they were seated and I could see them, then I would do that. Um, I did it to like my parents, right? <laughs> when they showed up, um because why not right? Yeah. Um, and and other friends, other people that I knew came in and but sometimes you know it was just it was just fun. It was just trying to find somebody that. I thought might respond or I thought might, mm-hmm. you know, connect on some level. So it was, it was a game for me. It was, awesome. it was fun. Yeah.
1: So now post LA, what's, what's next in the cat's history? Is this the, well, the second U S tour?
0: Um, yeah, it was the second national. So it's where, where I met up with, uh, a bunch of the, the cats that had done the, um, cats for COVID relief benefit, um, I came in, I was a second bomb ballerina. I came in fairly early to the company. Um, so it, it was that was phenomenal. It was um first of all, I was flattered that I was I was moved into Bomb Ballerina, that role, because I I liked that role. I liked the character. It was very different from who I am as a person. So it was mm-hmm. kind of fun to play something different. Um, but there were It was my first chance to meet a a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Walski, who's become a very good friend of mine. And he was our dance captain on the show. And I only had one week. I went in Baltimore. I had one week uh, to get ready to go into the show. And the show, for all intents and purposes, the choreography was similar, but there were enough uh, differences, you know, that I had to learn my paces again. Right. And then, of course, I had to learn the the new numbers um, in, in new in new stagings. What was really fun was opening night, um, my first show. I got into act two, I put on my Siamese costume, went on the stage and realized we had never staged the Siamese costume, or the Siamese number at all. And I had absolutely no idea where it was going to go. And so all the other, all the other cats were kind of pushing me around to where I needed to be for the number. And I could hear Jimmy Walski laughing in the back of the theater because I was running around this Siamese that had no idea where they were going.
1: Getting that, caught
0: on stuff, getting hung up in the curtains. It was it was hilarious. It was so funny.
1: That, that is awesome. And so I'm sure he knew right away, like, oh, we forgot this, oh, this, yeah. this stage. Yeah.
0: He he said it was one of those things like as soon as the boat came down and as soon as the Siamese made their first appearance, it was that big oops yeah. <laughs> moment.
1: <laughs> that is that is great. So that so that production was really the first time cats was in major cities. So I'd love hearing like what was the reaction like in like on tour to the show. I mean, I know it was it's now such a polarizing show, but back oh, yeah. then this was was a very I mean it was a, it was a hit. People keep calling it the Hamilton of of the time.
0: Yeah, I I think it's still in its own way was polarizing. There were definitely people that didn't like the show, it didn't appreciate the show, uh, but I think the thing that the show brought to to the public was simply that for anybody who has never seen the theater or people who have seen the theater, it was, it was an event that was very welcoming to everybody. You know, there wasn't a storyline that you had to make sure you paid complete and total attention to um, in order to get from point A to point B, but it had great music and catchy songs and great characters. And of course the costumes and the set and the makeup just, you know, people were overwhelmed by. Mm -hmm. So I think that was, uh, I think that was the beauty of the show. I think that still is the beauty of the show. Um, And to me, it was really important that, um, you know, again, I think, I think sometimes I'm a little bit different breed than other people, (laughs) cat breed, I guess, than other people. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for me, it was really important to connect with the communities that we went through. So I was, I was that one person that when I came out the stage door and people were asking for autographs and wanted to talk about the show, I would stay and talk to people, which interestingly enough, you could get away with ignoring people or scuttling by people very easily because it was really hard to tell actually who was on stage Mm -hmm. and who wasn't with the makeup and the hair and the costume and everything. So I did have colleagues that made very quick exits and preferred not to be in the public. But I always felt like that was anybody that came and hung out at the stage door asking to talk to somebody. I felt like that was a really important part of the show, too. Mm -hmm. what
1: type of questions did you get at the stage door with a show like cats in the eighties? I mean like that's that there was a, there was a super fans, but it's not like now where now there's a lot of, you know, there's 40 plus years of content of what people know about it. This is still like the first time a lot of people probably ever got to see it.
0: I think it was a lot of people just, just wanting to say how much they enjoyed the show and Mm -hmm. to ask like, you know, where are you from and how did you start? And you know, what, you know, how long you're going to stay with the show and just really curious about the business, but the show itself, you know, they wanted to know how long it took to get into makeup and wigs and, you know, could we eat whatever we wanted to while we're in yeah. those unitards? <laughs> um, at that time I could eat what, basically whatever I wanted to. <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to get my unitard now, but, um, you know, <laughs>
1: That's a, I, I mean, that's I, a, your number is very um, daunting. I mean, it's a daunting, like physical workout to do that oh, yeah. show.
0: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, in my case, I spent, you know, seven plus years making my living on my hands and knees, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's- yeah. Something there's a lot of people that do that, but maybe not as a cat. Yeah,
1: the the cat. I, it is it is fascinating to just to know like the the effects of the show. I, I am curious because I think your your number McCavity mm-hmm. is a a polarizing number in a sense of like there's tugger for the the moms and someone said that it's McCavity's number for the dads. And did you feel that when you were like, when you went on stage that you had some people that maybe weren't as interested in the show that perked up and got excited to watch <laughs> now?
0: I, I, I don't know that I honestly, I don't know that I ever felt that. Um, I, I did have people comment, you know, that Bomb Ballerina was a very sexy cat. I mean, and that did come out in some of the articles and actually I heard that on a couple like radio casts and things like that too. And people were doing reviews and it always struck me as so funny because that's so different from who I am. I mean, people meet me on the street and they're like, yeah, right. That's you, but that's all part of acting too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's all part of becoming something that you aren't. So I really relished that kind of, um, that kind of attitude that Bombayman had that kind of, you know, sexy sort of sultry feline-esque, uh, persona that is just not me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a number. And as I, like, it's, first of all, the number is catchy as can be. Oh, yeah. And so it's stuck, it gets stuck in your head all the time when you're, you know, for me, when I was researching the show. Um, but it's, it's a fairly aggressive dance number that I don't think I comprehended or really remembered to that extent when I saw it the first time. I mean, obviously, my mind was blown the whole time I saw the first time anyways by just everything that happened. But the more I've kind of watched, I'm like, this I'm not surprised is the one that gets commented on a lot.
0: Well, the thing that I loved about that number was um, getting the opportunity to perform with Demeter, mm-hmm. you know, getting to pro- perform with my my colleague, you know, it was um, – Deborah Athens, who was just mm-hmm. Debbie Athens, is amazing, and I loved working with her so much. And then when Debbie left the show, it was um, Jennifer Smith, who was also just brilliant. And having somebody like that that you can connect with on stage, that's a partner um, like McCavity in Crime, um, was yeah. just so special for me as a performer, um, because that energy really uh, drove me to better myself. And they were both such phenomenal performers as were the, 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 um, the swings that we had that performed the role, just so talented that I, I had to, I, I loved having to work up to match their level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I talked to to Debbie and um, I the whole relationship between Demeter and Bomb as characters is kind of an interesting one of like, are they probably sisters, but some little big sister, younger sister um, relationship and almost, you know, protector um, yeah. with Demeter. So it's kind of uh, fun to kind of see it play out on, on stage. Uh,
0: it was it was it was a. Uh you know, gr- just great memories, um, mm-hmm. you know, that we had a great off stage relationship that was just accelerated by what we did on stage was even better.
1: Yeah. Now take me to Germany.
0: <laughs> I know it's I- a long trip, are you sure you I want to go? <laughs> I've,
1: talk- I've talked to BK about, uh-huh. about his experience in Germany and I did not realize that it was all done in German, which I mean, maybe is naive of me, but how, do you learn to sing a show in a, I mean, I guess, do you speak German? I, I'm assuming my assumption was no, but maybe that's an unfair assumption.
0: Well, I, interestingly enough, I took German in high school. Um, but I found out actually when I was in Germany that I had learned an Austrian dialect from my teacher <laughs> so. who was from Austria Um, so it it helped to some degree, but there were definite things that I had to, I had to learn from scratch. Um, but they taught us, they, we had, we had, uh, lessons to, to go through all the, all the language and it's not only speaking it accurately, it's then singing it accurately, which is an entirely different thing. So, um, you
1: still sing Macavity in German?
0: Uh, Parts of it, yeah.
1: Parts of it? I could, yeah. I, that that to me is just, I mean, I'm blown away by that in, in itself. Uh, to me, I mean, German is such a a harsh language. And it's definitely, you know, it's got a lot more consonants. It's not as, as smooth as a lot of these other languages that could be translated into. So I am fascinated just by the... The idea of seeing it, I really want to watch it now in German, even though I won't be able to follow it, but I could barely follow it in English, the storyline. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm just fascinated by that. How long did it take you to learn the song in German? And like and you said you went back and forth, like you you came back. What, what was that whole experience like?
0: Well, um, you know, I I think it probably took about three weeks to, to learn. And I actually I went over we closed um, we closed the second national in Boston. And I went home to, um, California for a week and then I turned around and flew out to Germany. So mm-hmm. it was a very fast transition for me and they needed me to get into the show pretty fast. So it was a pretty intensive, like two, two weeks, um, maybe three weeks to learn mm-hmm. the show and the staging and everything. Um, but it felt it felt okay to me because I knew the music really well. And so it was a matter of really understanding the language. Um, yeah. But I, I always thought it was really – I always thought it sounded really great in German. So that I was – I want to hear it. I want to hear it now. I just well, – McCavity McCavity in in uh German is, you know, McCavity ist Gross und Schlank und Gelbrot ist sein Fell, seine eingefallenen Augen und Verraten ist er schnell. So kind of I don't think that was all right, but it's been a while. <laughs> but um but that was that was pretty cool. And actually the my favorite lines to sing or my favorite bit to sing anymore is actually um when I did Grizabella in, in Germany, the um the song uh i just thought that was a really great line so
1: that's amazing i again i'm just blown away by the fact and i know it's been you know and there's productions in japan and i mean it's been translated into a lot of different languages because it's you know it translates but right. it just is so um so different and such you know like these are iconic songs that are now going to be in an entirely different language and kinda of take some of the the poetry into it. Um so I've I've always really enjoyed that. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I want to talk a little bit about um, the plot. <laughs> I, I am fascinated no. by what you were told about your characters. So when you were learning Tantamile and Bombay the Arena, what were you told about their backstories?
0: Not a whole lot. Not to much. be honest okay. with you yeah it was it was um of course I'm older now and my brain is fuzzy so maybe I was told a whole lot and I just don't remember it no actually there there wasn't a whole lot told to us a lot of it was um you know it, it kind of was called out of the of the rehearsals um mm. you know I did have an opportunity to work with Jillian Lynn and Trevor Nunn in the Los Angeles company which was amazing um and they were actually able to kind of uh you know, give us some insight and talk a little bit about the expectations of the cats, not necessarily the characterizations, but the expectations. And then like for the twins, you know, for Tantomile and coracopat, it was, you know, you guys are connected by a psychic bond. You do things together. You hear things together. You, um, you know, you, you have this, this connectivity. So the rest of it was kind of, and your cat. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was minor. kind of what yeah, it was, yeah. right? You're right. And and with Bombalurena, it was it was sort of a similar tale. It was like you know she's sexy, she's sultry, um, she is protective of Demeter. Um, you know she's she's smart, she's slick. Um, there was one point where it kind of said she was the counterpart to Tugger. Um, you know, the female counterpart to Tugger. Mm-hmm. I could so, see that. Yeah, so that's kind of the that was kind of the gist of of that particular character. And part of the beauty is, you know, that, that also gave us the freedom to really be able to develop what directions our own characters, individual characters would go. So while there were similarities from show to show to show, you know, you would see one ballerina bomb ballerina here, you'd see one bomb ballerina there. Um there was consistency, but there were also those same differences that you would find if you saw any other show. Yeah, you no know, one, you know, from one performer to another, um, because they bring their own personality and and, and characterization.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's really fascinating too the the look of it as I've tried to, you know, one thing I was early on trying to solve was the cat's family tree. Who's who's mom, who's dad, <laughs> who's brother, who's sister. And there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. And I think the reason that I've I've kind of come to the conclusion of is that too much is related to friendships stage. And so there might be two cats that like t- the twins are twins. But if there's cats that are supposed to maybe not be as as close, but they're really good friends from a different, you know, from performing in another show, then they might have a, a really strong chemistry on stage. Even though the cats technically might not have that relationship that you would see, but the audience notices it. And so sure. the audience thinks there's a relationship. And so there's no way to be able to say, like, I've got a few. I think Demeter and Bomber Sisters. I think there's, you know, there's some relationship between Demeter and McCavity. Like, there's a couple of things that are consistent across all shows. But then it's just a free-for-all
0: Yeah, uh, well, I think, over the I years. Think, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because we've gotten into, um, you know, backstage, we talk about, what kind of relationships we thought there were among the cats. I mean, Mm it's discussions we have ourselves and we talk about things like the costumes, the way the the way the costumes are designed. Is there an intentional relationship um, behind some of the designs? Because some of the cats have the white, you know, kind of the white chest area, you know, Bombi has it. uh, Demeter has it. Syllabub, um, you know, a few others have kind of that white, um, but there's color variations and the color mm-hmm. variations does that mean that you know is Syllabub demeter's daughter is yeah. you know so there is there's i think there's always that kind of interesting sort of question i mean is is victoria somehow related to rumple teaser because they're both you know they're both white even though rumple's got the orange and yellow and you know
1: mm-hmm. there's only a couple more. There's only a couple that wear um, collars, which a lot of people wonder if they're owned by the same human Correct. Um, type of thing. So there's there's a lot to it. It gets really, really crazy if you start like trying to look through the rumor mill because there's no rhyme or reason to <laughs> it. Um, and Cats I'm, conspiracy I'm wondering,
0: theories. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm wondering how many I've made up too just to like, try to <laughs> add to things. But I, I've enjoyed it. That's what's made the show so interesting Is I'm very interested in it from the story from the storytelling aspect of it purely Um, because I'm not a dancer. I'm not a singer. I'm not, I'm not a theater major or, you know, I I have no background on that. And so I really enjoy the storytelling, which I think I want to get into. But before we do that, I want to hear a little bit about the benefit because there was a benefit that happened um, late last year, 2020, Mm -hmm. that was for um, by your cast uh, that because you did this incredible benefit when you were on tour and then you kind of brought it back. So tell me a little bit about it. Tell me about your involvement. Um, um, and what, you know, what kind of sparked this idea?
0: Well, you know, we did one of the very first, uh, benefits ever for AIDS, um, mm-hmm. in Kansas city, um, for, uh, in, uh, as a tribute to Michael Bennett. And that was really, our, our company was very dedicated to doing whatever we could to be of service to our, our, uh, Broadway brethren and sisters who were suffering through this really difficult time in history and people were not understanding what it was. And and there were a lot of people that had uh, turned away from a whole variety of entertainers because they were like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're pariahs, right? And this was an opportunity for us to try and celebrate those who were in a very difficult position and wanting to do what we could to make sure that, that they had, um, that they had what they needed Mm -hmm. to be able to, to get through this horrible, horrible, um, event. And so I think that when opportunity presented, um, when Austin Jatan reached out to Jonathan Cerullo and said, Hey, isn't there something that we can do? it was in the spirit. It was in exactly that same spirit that we had cultivated, you know, so many years ago together as a, as a company. And it was amazing how quickly everyone drew together to say, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen. And it had been a long time mm-hmm. since a lot of us had been a- in contact with one another. So while we were focused on doing again what we could to help people who were suffering through COVID. Um, it also was way for a lot of us who were very isolated to be reminded of that special bond we had with one another when we were touring together, and and really rekindle some friendships that that perhaps had gone dormant, had never gone away, but were just dormant, and. It has been a a side benefit of the benefit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that um, we have now regularly been connecting and sort of reinvigorating ourselves with these friendships that we had so long ago. Um, And a big piece stemmed out of this collective belief that helping others is the right thing to do.
1: Mm -hmm. And so you had an event and we did yeah i mean and it was it was i, I loved it I, wa- I mean i watched it when it came out um and it was for covid relief and so correct. um how did the idea come about i mean that i, I loved hearing the backstory of like how to, how to help but how did the idea come about for actually the event because i think you re-recorded a song um and you re-recorded a, a version of memory right for the event
0: correct well we um It was it was really amazing. You know, we've got some incredibly talented people that were part of the company that have gone on to different different aspects of theater um, or or other realms in general, other industries. And there was a core group of individuals that pulled together that actually wrote the script. Um, and put time and energy into cultivating something that was going to be a, a message-driven program, um, founded out of our our cats collective. So we did the opening song, and there were uh, a, a variety of us that did the recording uh, together, independently, yeah. <laughs> solo. Nothing like singing by yourself, trying to <laughs> you know remember something from you know, 2000 years ago, (laughs) you know, and there's not an orchestra and there's, there's nobody else to help you. You're just barren in your own room. It was pretty interesting. Um, But then it was all, you know, record, everybody recorded their bits and then it was all uh, engineered and, and put together beautifully. And there were these different segments that were directed by different folks from our group. Um, And it was, it was, it was honestly a team effort to, to pull this off and put together something that wasn't just a one-off song, but it was really a whole event. It was really a Mm -hmm. whole spectacle that was uh, bringing everybody together, but also highlighting how important it is to support members in our community, especially during, during this time of COVID when so many of our fellow performers and stage managers and dressers and makeup team and, you know, wig designers and costumers are, are all out of work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, it was, it's, it's great to see the amount of money already raised. I love that. And um, that it's still uh, the, the donation page actually is still up. So I will mm-hmm. put the link in the description for anybody listening to a, you know, anything that you can give and to donate is um, very much appreciated to support the community. Um, but it was, you know, it, it's cool to see that come full circle from, your Kansas city event to bringing back today and, and still always about supporting the community?
0: Well, I think that's, um, that's the thing that's really interesting about the theater community is, is as large as it seems, it's actually very small and there's not even a, it's not even a sixth degree of separation between people. Um, So it's really important when, when, you are in a position to be able to help others that you do that and, mm-hmm. and raise them up because it's, it's about community.
1: Mm-hmm. So I want to re- do a little rapid fire getting to my favorite question to ask everybody. from musical. So, but before we get to that, let's do a couple of quick fun ones to kind of ease into the million dollar question. Um, If you, I know you've played a couple cats, but if you had the opportunity to play anyone, ignore if it's in your vocal range, male, female, if you could play any cat, which one would you want to, which track would you really want to do?
0: Oh, that's interesting. You know, I think I've already done it because I got to play so many of the cats I wanted to. Um, So so I
1: guess who's your favorite to do?
0: Boy, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, You know, I... Oh, this is going to sound like a cop-out. But each one of them represented such a different time in my life. I mean, each one is tied to very specific memories and very specific um, experiences I had. So,
1: hey, I don't know. I'm asking a parent about a favorite child, I feel like.
0: You are. I think you are. Because yeah. I can, you know, my the very last cat I played actually was Teaser. And you know, that's interesting because I was, you know, the, the oldest I was in my career playing this young kitten, um, <laughs> kind of a giant kitten, <laughs> it was a big kitten. But, you know, that kind of in some ways coming full circle around to playing that, you know, the 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 juvenile, if you will, was mm-hmm. interesting from kind of going through the the only cats I really didn't play, the female cats I didn't play, I never played Victoria um, or Syllabub or Jelly Lorum. So there were a couple that I I never did play, but I also don't know that they were ones that I ever wanted to play either.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let, let me rephrase this question. Which of the male tracks would you want to do?
0: Oh, yeah. That's tough. Um, gosh. I would I would probably I don't know, I I might default to Tugger because Tugger being sort of the counterpart to Bombi would be kind of fun to play from a male perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably a pretty popular one for a lot of people to say.
1: Yeah, a lot of people say it, but I also think, you know, you saying that it's kind of not your personality, it's sometimes the fun of acting the Yeah, it's the opposite.
0: Against type. Um, I also think Gus would be amazing to play. Um, then
1: you gotta do Bustifer though and a couple others with that, and, right?
0: And yeah, and Bustifer I thought was hilarious. Yeah. So you know Okay, okay. I think there's I think there's there's some value to that. So you just wanna play every
1: you just wanna do every single track. Um well this is gonna be a hard question then I guess for you next, which is which is your favorite and least favorite cat?
0: Oh, my favorite, my least favorite cat, huh? I suppose I could pick one like Jemima that no one ever sees because she's <laughs> not in the company anymore.
1: <laughs> Jemima was canceled, I believe. Yes, she was. Um, she was.
0: She was knocked out. Um, Etc. Was another one that wound up morphing into a, another cat. So, um, it's a very see. good safe
1: answer. I like that. Yeah, what about you like favorite? <laughs> yeah, because you, you're not. You can't anger anybody with that. Really. No. With, with, um, what about favorite? This might be hard with the same same thing. You've played so many of them.
0: Uh, you know, I would probably I would probably have to say Bombay Arena just because I played her the longest. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to experience her on tour as well as in Germany. And that was I think that's pretty special. You know, mm-hmm. she she took me overseas uh, for my first foray into working in Europe, and so I would say for that reason, yeah, she's probably my favorite. Okay,
1: okay. Favorite song from the show.
0: Favorite song from the show. Well, I love McCavity. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love McCavity, right? That's
1: my answer. I think <laughs> my answer was always was Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser when I first saw it because it was stuck in my head for like weeks after. But the more I researched it, the more McCavity song gets stuck in my head every time.
0: Mungo and Mungo and Rump was, I will admit, is really fun. Um, especially when you're doing the double cartwheels. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was just really fun. But I also, I'm really partial also to the, to Jellico cats, the opening number, mm-hmm. because that just sets the stage for the whole evening. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's not a really bad choice. I haven't heard anybody be like, oh, this is, I, I, you know, there's so many good options.
0: I don't know. People might say peaks and pollicles is not a, a great
1: choice. <laughs> that's fair. I've not heard anybody say that as their number one.
0: So that's probably
1: fair. <laughs> um, okay, so my million-dollar question. Hmm. I, this entire podcast is named and based off the fact that I did not think Grizabella was the right choice to ascend to the heavyside layer. Do you agree with me? Um, and if so, who would you pick? And if you disagree with me, um, I'd love to hear your defense of Grizabella.
0: Interesting, because I did get to play Grizabella in Germany. So I do have some... Uh, tender thoughts about her, mm-hmm. um, in terms of who was going to go to the heavyside lair. I, I think Isabella was a good choice. Um, but I don't think she was ready yet to be honest with you. I think that she still had more to do in her current life, um, mm-hmm. to come back and be celebrated the way she was. I really think that it should have been Gus going.
1: Love it. Team Gus. It's the most common yeah. answer because I think yeah. it's, if it fits the right narrative um, based off of if you really break down, who's probably ready to go.
0: Yeah, he he was he was tired. He had he had he had done what he was meant to do and he still reveled in that. But it was probably time for him to um, to travel onward.
1: Mm hmm. All right. I'm, I'm a fan. Anytime somebody says Grisabelle is the wrong choice. So
0: um,
1: <laughs> I, any um, any I mean, again, this has been great having you on to chat through it. I really appreciate you taking the time. Any any parting words from from your cat's history before we before we take off?
0: You know, I I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to be a part of that show from being part of the original company in los angeles getting moved over to the uh, second national tour which was interesting because a lot of my colleagues in los angeles actually went to the bus and truck um, Mm -hmm. which was a new company that formed just after the los angeles company closed so a lot of them moved on that to that company i thought i was going to go there Uh, I found out later that the reason I didn't was they knew um, had an inkling that this opportunity would come up at the National and then actually uh, the National 2 and wanted to move me over there. So I had uh, the the tremendous blessing of working with this National 2 company, which continues to be in my heart, um, as does L.A., but there's just this really special bond with that group. And then I got to go and and live and work in Europe and do, you know, not only cats over there, but starlight express. And, um, and also did a lot of directing and choreography, um, when I was working over there as well. So the show has given me so much, um, in terms of memories, no pun intended. Um, or memory, um, and, and just having to, having been able to do and see and experience so much, um, you know, I may not have a dime to my name, but I am so wealthy when it comes to the friendships and the experiences. And for me, it's about paying it forward. You know, it's talking to people that are still interested in the show. It's, it's those nights of standing outside, you know, for an hour, two hours at the stage door talking mm-hmm. to people that is, I think the best part about, about being in cats for me.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories um, and your, your, your thoughts on the show and and your experience with the show from, you know, across the globe, which is always so, so fun to hear.
0: Oh, it's been my pleasure, Mike. I've kind of enjoyed going down this, uh, this path.
1: <laughs> yeah. A little bit down memory lane.
0: A little
1: bit, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com.